Hi everyone, welcome to Type Talks. Today we have ENTJ YouTubers with us and I'll let everyone introduce themselves. And so Gray, would you like to tell us a bit about you? Uh, hi, I'm Gray. I have the YouTube channel Augmented Personality. Um, I'm afflicted with the ENTJ condition. It is unfortunately terminal. I don't have long. Um, a little bit about me is that I started doing YouTube um, a little over a year ago and um, I, I kind of fell in love with the process. I've been taking a little bit of a break recently, but I'm, I'm eager to get back into it now that I've kind of um, settled some like, like at home chaos. But I just, I, I love the process of having one, having a message to share and wanting to help people under, like understand personality better and then take that further to make it entertaining, to make it um, informative. And then the actual production process is interesting to watch, like just an idea transform into something tangible that then you're exposing to dozens, hundreds, sometimes thousands of people. So that's been, um, that's a little bit about me is I, I love that process. Yeah, and you do it in such an entertaining way too, Gray. It's never a boring day on your channel. You're very good at bringing a feistiness to your content. And so it's always entertaining and informative. And so Dan, could you tell us a bit about you? Uh, yeah, g'day. I'm Dan. Uh, I run the channel Teeny Personality Growth. Probably saying that not in the classical way, but uh, that's sort of what I've gone with so far. So we'll continue doing it that way. Uh, uh, how did I get started on YouTube? I had just started a new role in Sweden. I work here as a teacher and I was suddenly fascinated by all these new people at this new workplace. And I was like, knowing about personality had really helped me um, get along with a diverse range of people. And so personality was really on my mind because I had met so many people. Um, and I came home and I just, in, in literally in one take, if you watched the first video that I put out on YouTube, just explained what it was like to be an ENTJ. And surprisingly, that video gained a lot of traction. I think even to today, it's in my top three videos that I've done. And I thought, wow, I'm really onto something here. Um, there's not many ENTJs who are perhaps sharing their experiences. Um, and I think if I, I think there's some lessons that I learned, particularly in my 20s, that were hard lessons to learn. And if I had known that I was an ENTJ earlier, and if I'd been able to grow and understand my personality um, in a way that helped me understand myself, helped me understand others, I think I would have found even more career success, even more personal success. Um, than I otherwise would have. And so the feedback I get on the channel has been really, really encouraging. Um, some people say, wow, like you're reading my mind. Oh, thank you so much. This has really helped me. Some people have even privately messaged me and asked for personal advice and shared their personal stories and struggles and have said that uh, what, what we've been able to share on the channel has been really, really helpful. And so I've kept doing it. But that said, I mean, this year has been an absolutely manic year. I've uh, uh, I mean, I could, <laughs> things I'm doing this year are just wild to me. I'm about to move back to Australia. Um, I'm moving into a senior leadership role um, back in Australia. And I have, uh, unfortunately, not really kept up with the original schedule that I anticipated. But um, I'm really happy to be talking here today because um, I, I want to keep doing more with the channel. I want to keep helping people. And I want to, uh, yeah, learn more from other ENTJs today, perhaps in the conversation now. 
You do have that teacher presence. You are a natural orator. You're really good at speaking. <laughs> so yeah, I'm glad to have your your fine speaking skills on this panel. And so, Eva, could you tell us a bit about you? Yeah, of course. So I started YouTube when I was like 11, initially <laughs> not doing personality at all. I was just kind of like doing vlogs and um, documenting my experience. I primarily am a filmmaker and sort of artist and illustrator. So I came to YouTube as sort of like a medium to express myself. And my voice is weird. <laughs> um, I think I need some water. Give me a sec. It's got that raspy Scarlett Johansson quality to it. <laughs> yeah, it's so sexy. <laughs> um, so around the pandemic, actually, I had... A tremendous lot of time just to, on my hands and I was like okay I need to like put this time into action because I'm going insane with nothing to do like there's literally I was couldn't perform my work because I was working I was at university and on the side I had this job as a maitre d and like everything was closed so I was kind of sitting at home and I thought okay um, I'm gonna make more videos and I have been studying MBTI since I'm like 16. So I just thought, oh, um, I never see videos about the NTJs on YouTube. So I'm just going to make like a random video. Um, it was kind of more on the, well, I didn't have any ideas for any videos about lifestyle. So I was just like, I'm just going to tell everyone what an ENTJ thinks about all the types. And that was a, a joke video. Like I was going to delete that. And it just gained so much traction as well. And I was like, oh, uh, <laughs> I didn't think there was a community for this on YouTube. And then I started realizing, okay, there is like a whole another side of YouTube that's M MBTI YouTube. And so I started following a lot of different channels. I started really getting into the community. And again, I had so much time on my hand that I, I was just uploading four videos a week, just nonstop. And it just rose like crazy. And so I think it got a bit addicting because I got that rush of like, okay, like something that I did really quickly is just gaining traction so quickly that I just need to keep doing that. Um, over time, I didn't realize that there was also a negative side to the MBTI community more on, I guess, like there is there are so, such amazing channels like yours which show the perspectives of different types, but also there's sort of like restraining of you must be this way if you are this type. And I just kind of wanted to explore different sides of personality more on psychology neuroscience like how our brain works and that's really interesting to me and then i sort of uh, diverted a bit into more personal development rather than mbti but still upload some things here and there because when there is knowledge to be shared i'm just kind of like okay someone might benefit from this and and yeah it does it's always a great response so the community is very nice and gentle <laughs> thankfully yeah that's me Four videos a week, that's intense. There are not a lot of ENTJ YouTubers on the internet right now. So I'm really grateful to have you all representing the type. All the YouTubers here, their content is quality. So go click the links below. <laughs> and so, hi, my name is Joyce and I'm a certified MBTI master practitioner and I facilitate the instrument and organizations. I also type and coach people. All right, and so ENTJs. I'm wondering, how is it like to be a YouTuber? I guess it's cool. It's like a, a creative process, most of all. Like from my perspective, and it would be interesting to hear everyone else's like 
I have to keep myself accountable for uploading now that I have an audience. Uh, so when I am on a break, I actually need to like communicate that. I need <laughs> to sort of keep people uh, aware of where I'm at, like I'm not disappearing. But I also need to keep a structure. So like I need to upload a video and then I need to edit that. And that's the whole, you know, side job. Uh, you can spend 10 hours to 30 hours a week just making a video look good, making sure that your kit is like adequate and all that. Um, even though nowadays, like, honestly, you can do YouTube with anything. So it's yeah, a bit more flexible. But I'm, as a filmmaker, I try to, like, do the editing and everything. Um, so it is a process. But one thing that I do is anytime there's an idea in my head, I just put it in a spreadsheet. <laughs> so that's when, <laughs> when I have to do the video, I don't have to think, oh, what am I going to film about? This is like, oh, what's my bulk of ideas that I've had throughout the week? Okay, let's focus on that and then just do the routine of filming, like allocating time for editing and then publishing at the time that I've found out. So that's kind of my process. Okay, <laughs> this is really funny. I have like a very similar process. <laughs> I have a, I don't have a spreadsheet, but I have a doc with a bunch of different subcategories. And then, so what would happen is my, my husband and I both are interested in personality and we would talk about this a lot. And then we would say something it's like, oh, that's interesting. And then he'd throw it in the dock and I would sit there and I would plan out. And when I was producing like um, like two or three videos regularly a week, like I would plan out like a two months in advance. What am I writing? What am I doing? And so that way I could just sit down every week and I didn't have to think. I could just, okay, write the script. Okay, I'm working on that. I've got that done. Okay, what's next on the schedule? Oh, I have to do a thumbnail for this one that's coming up this week. Oh, hey, babe, can you handle this? Because that's coming up in a day. Like, it was so, it, like, it became, there's like a kind of clockwork to it that was really enjoyable. Um, I think the the thing I I loved about it and I still love about it is that process of, like, streamlining and like watching how much faster I got at getting a video out and then like building on that and building the skills. Um, it's interesting. I've actually gotten into like studying more of like cinematography, studying more about editing because of that. And like, it's to me, it's like, I do love the art form itself and I'm like enjoying movies more now because I actually understand what's happening better in the director's choices. Um, and when I'm also, like working on my own projects and I see another YouTuber's work, I'm like, okay, this is, I can respect how much time went into this. And I, I don't know, I just feel like it's kind of a no brainer in many ways <laughs> to be working on it, even though um, it's not always perfect, certainly. Um, but like the good parts are really good. And I, I do think I'm gonna be always in some way, shape or form creating video content, at least a little bit. Like I've been taking a big break and thinking about how I want to do things. Not, I haven't been taking a break and then like completely not thinking about it. And my brain is still here in YouTube, you know, I, I do think it is, I do think it like the word addictive is a good word because I don't, um, I think I have, a, I'm going to have a permanent passionate love affair with YouTube or some sort of video <laughs> platform for probably the rest of my life. So <laughs> I'm seeing a trend here with, TE, you know, externalizing its thoughts onto a page or onto something so it doesn't have to keep it there. It's very efficient. So TE tip, if a TE user does it, it's probably the best streamlined way to do it. So yeah, because like the whole point of having a brain in your head is like, you need to be able to solve problems that are in front of you and not have to like, you could think about everything under the sun in your own head all the time. 
but you have the tools to outsource it. So that way you can actually put up everything and put it all in context. So why on earth are you trying to like, you don't have enough memory in your brain. You can literally buy hard drives and full, fill it full of your brain and then stick it up on many monitors and look at it. like, why, not, why aren't you doing that? Use the tools at your disposal. Everyone should do this, not just YouTubers. <laughs> yeah. I've certainly done things like that as well. Um, brainstorming different tabs, different ideas, different categories, um, wanting to plan things out in advance. I, I perhaps uh, wouldn't call myself a YouTuber. Um, perhaps I have the smallest channel. I think my channel has a huge amount of potential, um, but it, it, it's, it's a matter of priority for me. And I found that um, there's been seasons where I was trying to pump out a, a video or two every week, but given the so other side projects I have going on and, and, and my main job and my responsibility, I found that um, I was getting quite burnt out uh, coming home from a full day of work and then focusing in on my um, YouTube channel. I think that's been what has stopped me from really pushing into this full time has been all the other commitments that I've had. I feel quite bad about that, actually. Like, I really want to do more with this with my YouTube channel. Um, and, and maybe you, you guys are in different positions. I'm not sure, but I'm, but I find that there's like this intensity that an ENTJ can have. Um, with when they adopt the project and um, and they can sometimes forget about oh the need to relax let's say or sleep or things like that and and then I found this YouTube channel can sometimes be um, I, I need to I was like well hold on man what what are your priorities here you know you uh, I don't want this I've got to be very careful that I'm not letting this passion of mine um, impact the other areas of my life but um, I would love it I would love it to um, to expand more. I, I, I wish I had more time in the day. I wish um, I could do more things, let's say, um, and uh, create more value in that way. No, yeah, um, I was actually, I find my journey in this year has been very similar. Like I've had to, this whole streamlining process has been because at some point I was just like, there's no way, like <laughs> there's no way I can have a full-time job. Like I on the side of new music, so I'm like trying to release an album and like have a relationship and be there for my relationship, be there for my friends, also sleep like enough, you know, like sometimes that's good. Um, and yeah, trying to like also upload. So I think that's really key. Like it's maybe it's an ESTJ thing. It's like at some point, unless you make it your full time, which then it probably does have a lot of potential because you'll probably go at it like non-stop but if you have a lot of juggling parts in your life which i feel like you, you do i do as well i don't know about grave like probably uh it's quite yeah you have to be very careful to not burn out because i think people will always be understanding if you upload less but at the same quality but as long as you don't start because i think then what you can what can happen is the tea thing of trying to be too superficial and just upload for the sake of it. And then you feel bad with your content because it's like, wait, I'm not like even aligning with my head fire at all. Like, what am I trying to do anymore? And so you have to, to go back and be like, okay, maybe I should do a structure that one works. Like I can actually allocate time in my week for that, or my month. Like maybe one week a month, I really focus on like doing this really great video or do videos that are a bit easier to do. Um, in the meantime, or podcasts or something like that, that you can actually allocate time. But if you just go, go, go at, and also that's this thing, <laughs> I think it's very ENTJ, it's like wanting the highest standards of all time, but also do it at a machine level, like you're a human. 
yeah. like you have to to be very kind to yourself in that way. I that's actually part of why I took a bit of a break was that when I was trying to do it full time, I was like living and breathing it. And I was realizing that there are certain things I kind of wanted to do before I'm like 35 that being full time on YouTube was not going to get me. And I was like, oh, and I'm up and I was just focused on like just getting everything out. And every time I would upload, I was like, yeah, yep, it's a video. And then I hit like I had 2000 subscribers. and I felt nothing. And I was like, OK, that's not good. I probably should be feeling something when something I've worked so hard for happens. That's probably not great. I probably should actually experience an emotion here. Okay. If I'm not experiencing anything, what am I experiencing? And it was this moment of slowing down and being like, Hmm, I think maybe just maybe I might have taken this slightly too seriously, too fast. And I went all in and I don't regret it. I'm grateful for it. I think that it's been fantastic and I would do nothing different. Also, I need to take it in more of a balanced way of like, okay, I need to be working a job and then have this as my side thing. I need to be spending more, making sure I'm taking my time to be with my friends in real life and my family in real life, because I don't like me when I have no human connection. Cause I, yeah, like I'm not the robot thing I think is like, it's funny actually. So the last, the, there was a, a panel that was on again with Joyce and there was a really insightful comment where someone noticed like, sounds like everything she's saying is coming straight out of a business book. And it's like, yeah, yeah, it was. That's weird. Why do I sound like a quote machine right now? Why am I not sounding like me? And I remember like, that's a really good, like, and I, I like that person like really helped me thinking, I was like, oh yeah, they got a point. This isn't very, that that is a little off. There are definitely parts that were like still normal, but I did have to like kind of reevaluate like, what am I doing? What, why are we here? What's, what's the point of all of this? Cause the point I think is like, not only I'm I'm on the side of educa uh, education, but I'm also on the side of art. And I don't want to make bad creations because at that point I'm doing disservice, not just to myself, but to anyone who ever watches it. And also to art and, edu and education and entertainment itself. Mm -hmm. And that, that just seems like I value art and entertainment and education too highly to do a disservice to it. I think that's something that I kind of, in a strange way, had to come to terms with that that's going to mean uploading less. That feels weird to do less to have it mean more, but I don't. I don't know. That's FI integration. Like that's good. <laughs> Just really like looking at your values and understanding. Because I think maybe I've. I often question myself. Like, do INFPs have it like the opposite way? Like, do they start really liking tea or something? <laughs> but I. I don't know. I don't. Uh, I yeah. Yeah. I feel like what they do is they're like, oh, I like it. Therefore, I'm going to do something about it. And instead of just sitting there like, oh, I love this. I love this. I love this. Like, you've got nothing to show for it. If you love it so much, do something. <laughs> I, like I, the, like um, FI, I like the FI check that you had there. I reached 2,000 subscribers. I should be feeling something, but I'm not. It's like, well, okay, now I need to reevaluate. Let's start thinking. I think that's a very ENTJ thing. When the emotions aren't lining up, they're not really what's driving you. But that's sort of like, hang on a minute, something's wrong here. And I do this in conversations a lot. Like if I'm feeling, and it's very classic ENTJ thing, you're just going along, you're saying it, you're in the moment. But then there's this little niggle, you know, it's like something, something's off here. I can't quite pick it. You know, my TE is not picking this up, but my FI is, is, is bringing this alarm bell and sort of rises up from the depths of your psyche or 
you know, it feels like it's coming from the, this area of your body. I don't know. Um, and then, and then you start to evaluate. Sometimes it's too late. Sometimes it's happening after the fact. You're like, oh man, yeah. I need to talk to someone right now. <laughs> yeah. It takes a while for the FI to bounce back and for you to feel it. It's like when you throw something and then you have a, a string linking it back to that thing and it comes back and you're like, I actually might not like this as much as I thought I, I would. And so I, like I realized with Eva, like she said, how do FI users experience that? Like people with really strong FI. And typically what happens with people who have stronger FI than TE is that when FI doesn't like it or doesn't care, it stays in this most unproductive state you will ever know of. It's just sitting there and it's like, I don't know how I feel about this yet. So I won't do anything about it yet. And they'll just, they'll, they can't do anything if their feelings don't align with it first. And so, their integration is getting into their TE so that they actually move into motion. Otherwise, the FI can stay in a state of non-productivity. It won't move forward until it knows how it feels about something. And sometimes that takes years, whereas the TE user is more likely to just jump in and try it. Yeah, or we don't know exactly how calibrated mm-hmm. it is yet. I would say FI probably takes years for ENTJs like start to understand, okay, this is like a valuable part of me. And like looking back at your values, maybe that's why I see a trend. Like when I analyze like older ENTJs is that they always like go, 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 go. And then they're like, huh, this didn't do anything to me. Maybe I'll just focus on like nurturing the things around me that I love with the things that I've built in the meantime. And yeah, that's quite wholesome. I think like, I just want to get there a bit quicker. (laughs) I I love that phrase of I'm going to nurture the things around me with the things that I've built because I have noticed that like something that I found. So I used to also be a dog groomer. um, And that's actually what I'm, I'm doing right now in the meantime, as I talk about what I do. Um, But what I found was when I was working, like I didn't, I would struggle to like nurture my own dog (laughs) as strange as that was because I had split off doing the job from the actual emotional experience of caring for a dog. And when I took a break from that, now I can do it in a much more balanced in between way where it's like, Oh, I can actually shift gears between these two states instead of only being in work mode or only being in, Oh my God, you're so cute. I love you because you can't do that at a job. And when you're working and trying to work with animals who don't want to work with you, but you have to do that at home with your animal who you love and who needs you to be the emotional support. And I think that with YouTube also like, um, you know, just trying to, to teach and educate what once you I started having clients and a lot of the time, like we're talking about serious emotional things. And what I found is like. I'm coming back, like the main the main reason I am going to be returning, doing an epic return to YouTube, like is because I do want to nurture those people and and help them and in a more emotionally present way. And that means I have to be emotionally present. And I think that that's um, going to be a journey of a lifetime and I'm never going to stop working on it because <laughs> I, I think it's really difficult, but necessary. I think the FI is what um, it is that ultimate motivator for what we're bringing with our TE into the world at the end of the day. It's, and when you're talking about with your YouTube or what's your YouTube channel, what's driving you back, uh, that's what's motivating me to continue this as a as a side project and as a hobby. It's it's that meaning, it's that value that I'm creating for the world. Um, 
and uh, and it's done in a very TE way, and it's definitely the, the TE dominant presence. But um, you know, it's important to value the FIs and the NTJ. I, I, I hated FI like a lot, uh, especially in my early twenties. You know, like I, I didn't understand that side of myself, and I I really didn't like it in other people too. I just what are you doing? Like, it's like you're not making the right decision for yourself here. You could be doing it this way, and it would be a lot better. Um, but now I'm um, now I'm realizing that. What, I love what you did say, Eva, as well. What um, Gray pointed out that that nurturing of what you built. I think that's so important. Um, and we can forget to do that as ENTJs. Forget to nurture the communities. Forget to see. Um, forget to treat people around us, perhaps. Um, for for what they for what they bring us, and I think an ENTJ who, who can learn to do that really well will, um, will will maybe have a lot more satisfaction and success in their life. Yeah, Gray mentioned how the defining moment for her to get in touch with her FI and her YouTube career was the subscriber count and how dead she felt inside when she looked at it and it didn't really give her anything. So what were your defining FI moments in your lives? Like what made you have an integration with FI? Because it seems like there's a breaking point or something that makes you confront the FI. So what is that? That's definitely not the only one for the record. It's not like I'd only discovered my FI when I hit 2000 subscribers. Like for the record, but um, I love that. I, I dead inside is a good way to put it. Like, <laughs> um, so um, aside from like reanimating myself in, as a zombie to be on YouTube, I would say like another really big FI moment um, was like, so I remember, um, I remember we were living in North Carolina and then we had moved to New York for my husband's job. And it was all because it made sense. We're going to go down there because he's going to make more money. And then I will do this. And then we will do things. And we're going to do it. And it will make sense. And it will work. Great. Fantastic. Right? We weren't happy. So let's try to do something else that also makes sense. We'll transfer with his job. And it'll make sense. And it'll work. And it'll be great. And we'll make money. And things will be good. Right? Spoiler alert. They were not good. And so we were sitting there, miserable, out of our minds. And he's like, I could just quit. I, I can, if I have to, we can spend huge amounts of money to buy myself out of my contract. If we have to, we can just move back to Connecticut. And we said, do it. Let's do it. Let's, let's do it. Let's actually do what we want to do. And that I would feel like there's, there's a, many other moments, but I feel like that one was like an actual shift of mindset that I don't think that without that, I don't think I would have registered the 2000 subscriber thing. I don't think I would have registered a lot of little moments that have occurred since then because we chose something that made zero sense because it was right. It was right emotionally. It was right for us as who we are as people, not as who we are as productivity doing machines. Because, and I can give like all the reasons it does actually make sense, right? But let me be real with you. The reason I moved back here is for the autumn, not because, oh, it makes sense. And this, that, and this, no, it's because autumn here is the most beautiful autumn in the entire world. There's nothing like it. It is an experience you can't have anywhere else. And I grew up with it. And then I lost it because of the done do make it make sense. Thing. Like that's, that was stupid, you know? And I don't regret it. Again, you, I could not have learned these things without having ha had happened. However, that is like, I would say like a really big one that I think has set up a lot of personal growth for me in the past um, year or so. So there, there's, there's my happy story. I would say it's a number of things altogether. Um, and it would probably be more 
maybe the failures I've had in life, when I've had everything perfectly structured from a TE perspective, I'm doing everything right, and then things just haven't worked out. And it's usually to do with other people as well. Um, it could be that I think I'm doing awesome within my career. And I would say that um, the education profession is not always such a TE profession. It's definitely that, um, that, that FI, sometimes SI, FE, um, that that is quite dominant in the personalities that are drawn to education. Um, and so getting some pushback that I wasn't expecting, people thinking that I'm arrogant, people thinking that um, uh, experiencing health issues, um, relationship issues, going, what is going on? Like, I don't understand this. I'm doing everything right, and then, but I'm not. I'm not getting the results, right? So something's amiss here. And that started, and I think this was through NI, at the end of the day, started getting me to be very, very reflective. Okay, some, what do I need to do? And 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 that and that ultimately led me to, well, discovering more about my personality and then growing that FI. And um, and it's still a journey. I mean, we're still um, we are still ENTJs. That's not our our primary function. But um, but but I think an integrated ENTJ can be a very can be even more powerful than um, than an immature, let's say, less less integrated in the NCJ. Yeah, I had um, I had a couple of different activators of DFI throughout my life. Like, I think the first one was when I was like a teen and realized, yeah, like people think that I'm a workaholic, and I don't think I'm a workaholic. So clearly, there's like something that the whole world the whole world sees that I'm not seeing, and that I'm arrogant as well. Like, and when there's always like a good intention, but the intention is like, I'll fix your problem for you. Like, this is the quick, easy way to do it. But sometimes people want like emotional nurturing. So I just started to to understand um, that maybe I was neglecting something also in myself and therefore I was projecting on, onto other people. Um, and then I had a couple of different ones, some related to career, like a big one was, also, when I was younger, I was going to be a doctor and I had grades for it. And I was like super good at like being the top performer. And at some point I was just like bent out and realized I actually, I like filmmaking and I want to produce films and that's what I'm going to do. And everything in my life just did not align with that at all. It, I have no like T tools to make it happen, but I just, let's just look up online, like how I can get to London and go into this crazy hard to get university. And my dad's just like, I mean, I'm not supporting you like financially with that. Like you can try, but that's like London. And I was like, that's fine. Like, don't worry. <laughs> and yeah, just going all in at it with, I think anything can be achieved with enough planning and it got achieved. Like I got into the university I wanted. The Batman like, effect. Hmm? <laughs> the Batman effect. He can always win so long as he has enough planning. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's like, as long as you do your research, but then that was such a FI decision. It's like, I want to do this. So I'm just going to follow my heart and apply my tea is like the leader of this because I've those skills like in life because what you are often lacking is like that emotional nurturing to yourself. Um, so when you do nurture that, you can then 
do things that will change your life for the better. Like you, you'll move countries, you'll move jobs, you'll, you'll maybe give in to liking that person. Maybe that's going to be like your husband or, and yeah, just things like that. I also had a, a health issue last year, which put my life into perspective. And it was right after I spent like months nonstop, like I had nothing to do. It was the, the pandemic, but I just couldn't stop working. I was like, let's do this film and it's going to happen even with the national lockdown and just eight to eight every day. I had no pressure, no external pressure to do it. I just really wanted to do it. And at some point, like I realized like I had some iron deficiencies and vitamin D and also had some things in my thyroid. And I was like, oh, wait, like I don't want to die. <laughs> well, I don't, don't want to have a health problem that's serious because then I can't do all the things I want to do. So might as well take a rest, focus on myself. Because if I am alive, I can do anything. But if I exhaust myself, no no can do. <laughs> and I think that was like a good reality check. I, uh, I remember years ago, I was playing a board game or something like that with many friends. And the question that came up is, do you feel better than most people? Like, do you feel like you're a better person? And I was like, yeah, absolutely I do. Like, um, and everyone's sort of shocked. Like, you're going, to, you're, you're going to admit that? But I've, I've probably changed now with my FI being more, more developed. And I think that's part of what you're describing there, Eva, where um, as an ENTJ, especially younger on, you look at yourself and you can compare yourself to others and what you're able to achieve. And... Well, it's an order of magnitude perhaps better or, or more productive. You can see things that others can't. And so that's going to quickly lead you to have a lot of self-confidence. It's going to quickly lead you to have a certain level of success. And you mentioned that success that you had with, um, with your studies. Um, and that arrogance is, is a very easy next step, but it's a trap. It's, it's a trap, I would say, for an ENTJ. And um, I've experienced exactly what you're uh, describing there with that sort of that burnout and those health issues. And it takes, I think Jung described this idea of an ego death and something that um, can sort of really shift your reality um, of, and, 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 and shock you into to realizing that, um, that, that, that there's more than perhaps meets the eye. And if I was to answer that question today, I would not answer it with such clarity. Yeah, I'm better than the average person because I think um, what these experiences uh, teach you is, is what others bring to the table that's different to you. And it might not be the quickest way to, to purchase a house or to, to move to a university and get into the prestigious university. But there's, but there's something else to it. There's, there's something to the people that have moved to Connecticut because the, the autumn leaves are, are really beautiful. Um, I mean, I want to see that. That sounds amazing. Um, and, um, and, and I think that's, yeah, I think that's something that I hope that younger ENTJs can understand. I mean, that arrogance thing is going to be something that's thrown on a lot of ENTJs. And, Unfairly, probably, because I don't think that most people see the heart, the intention behind the advice and behind the help. But um, but if an ENTJ can learn to um, move past that and to integrate the FI earlier, man, they can, yeah, as I've said before, I think I'm just saying the same thing over and over again, but it's probably what ENTJs need to hear, let's be honest. I had someone call it before the EJ God complex. When you have the outlook of wanting to take care of a tribe, it's like, oh, I know what's best for the tribe. And, or I, and then sometimes it can cause this, I know what's best kind of confidence about you. And it takes a while to kind of, to 
to, to go back. It can take a few bad experiences to realize that there's more than just the, the facts on the ground, let's say, and the, and the, the clear path. That that's, that's more, there's more to it than that. Absolutely, yeah. And Eva mentioned this point about hardworking and how she doesn't see herself as hardworking, but other people do. And I find that with ENTJs really often. So they'll say, oh, I'm not that hardworking. And then everyone looking at them is like, what? It's like when you're listening to a podcast, you're also vacuuming and also doing this other thing or like you're trying to make the most by squeezing things into some sort of time period. Or like when you're doing something and doesn't seem as productive, you'll couple it with another task. And it's like hmm, to other people, that's a lot of energy expenditure. But for you, it's normal. So I can see why you it's not the, the highest amount you could be working yourself to, but it's still more than the average person would work themselves yeah, no, yeah. I, I've, I've spoken a little bit too much but i'm going to jump in here because um I, I feel that um that's so true for me uh last year i felt like i had a massively unproductive year and i've shared that with people i'm so lazy I'm like are you joking me you went to 17 countries last year you you bought two properties last year you got a career promotion last year you got i'm like yeah but i think that's what it is it's like um it's like I could be doing more though. Like there, there, there's probably more in this capacity for me, but there's 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 the problem that the NTJ will will very quickly burn out by just trying to grab and grab and pursue and pursue and pursue. So I just wanted to jump in and say that because I I, I I think that's yeah. a really wise thing you said, Lewis. Yeah. Yeah, I, I want to jump back a little bit um to the to the arrogance thing, like um. So what's so I my personal experience, like I can give you my subjective experience. And then I think what was really happening, which is that subjectively, I would have told you, like, there's no way. No, I would I felt horrible about myself in many ways. And that's why I worked, is that I felt like I was taking up space and that I like had to basically like almost like in a sense like apologize for my existence because I was like not producing anything and therefore I was I was a cost, right? And that's not really how it works. Like people have inherent value as human beings, but not me, of course. We can't have that. So subjectively there was this um there's like no, but I feel horrible myself. I would never describe myself as, as arrogant. But the fact that I wasn't I was I was deciding for myself if I had value is is almost an arrogant statement. It's like you don't get to decide if you make an impact in people's lives. You don't get to decide if actually you are or are not a good person in the sense of like like maybe you are a, like it was kind of this like no no actually i'm gonna say i'm bad and then i'm gonna overwork myself and if anyone tries to tell me otherwise i get to remain the holders of the ego king i get the keys to the ego kingdom of no only i get to say who i am and it's like or maybe maybe things are more complicated than that and i think that like the kind of the, the EGA arrogance kind of splits two ways of either the, no, I, I'm looking at all the people and I'm disappointed <laughs> or it's the, I'm looking at all the people and like, it's cause like there's, it's half the population is either disappointing or you're behind them is kind of this feeling is I was always looking up and being like, I'm never going to be doing as much as these people. Therefore I'm nothing. And that was, if I ever bothered to look at like, but how much am I really doing compared to anyone not doing as well as me? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, may maybe I should give myself some credit instead of self-flagellating because really the self-flagellating was just an egoic structure to keep me moving towards, I have to do more, I have to do more, I have to do more. And anyone who doesn't, then I can punish anyone who doesn't do it as well as me, or I can be 
um, self-righteous when I do something for someone else and they don't return the favor, like all sorts of just like there, there was Eric. I, I love the word arrogant is a really interesting one because I think that there can be like many different ways of, of the same phenomenon, arrogance occurring with different behaviors in a sense. And I, I really, it's like, I do, I, it's funny. My gut reaction is like, eh, I don't know if I was arrogant. And then I, as I was thinking, I was like, no, no, I was, but in a, in a flipped way and like a mirror flip, which I, I don't know. I just thought was interesting. I've seen a lot of imposter syndrome in ENTJs. And so it feels like that's the race, like Dan, that you were saying that I could have accomplished even more. It's just a, a typical God-like standard. And because you have seen, you've probably seen yourself throughout your life doing these things and exceeding like the normal productivity. So you just think, wow, I need to always be at that standard because if I did it once and I can just keep that as my baseline. No, like you're human, you have a brain, the mood changes and like uh, things happen around you and sometimes you do need time. And that's the whole like arrogance point that you mentioned, Gray, of saying, no, you don't get to decide like, who, my worth. I find that a lot in ENTJs as well. The, again, like not really imposter syndrome, but the self-sabotage. Like the other day I was not feeling my greatest and I was um, coming from the gym because I was just like, okay, I need like sweat this emotion out. Like I'm not sure what's, uh, what's out of balance with me. And then I talked to, to my partner and he was, he just spent a lot of time like questioning, like, you know, why do you think you feel this way? And at some point I was like, oh, you have to study. Like we can talk later. And <laughs> and he was just like, no, I, I want to spend this time with you. And I was like, why? Like you, you have like actual tea things to do. <laughs> and sort of realizing that people, it's not, you're not in charge of deciding how someone spends their time. And if someone spends time with you, like as an ENTJ, I think it's very healing to understand okay, like some people just like me, even if I didn't do anything. And I met the 9FP friend later uh, last year. And he just told me exactly this. And it was just so life-changing. Like I just asked him, I, we were talking about hanging out and I was just, oh, we could do this and this and that. And he's like, yeah, but it's fine. Like, I'm just happy chilling with you. And I was like, oh, but you don't want to do like this and this and that. And he's like, yeah, but I don't like you. I don't like being with you to do stuff. Like I, I enjoy you. And that was like, oh, okay. I need to integrate this thing clearly. Like, and I find that a lot in the NTJs, it, valuing yourself because of your external output, not your internal value. Um, so I think a journey that everyone has to to take as an ENTJ is just looking back at yourself and cherishing yourself like what things make me me and without yeah. being arrogant or like ego boosted just va valuing yourself basically yeah. absolutely I like, what, I like what grace said with the um the worth coming from and, and the worth that you bring to others being very self-centered and perhaps that's like a clash with epi you know that's that's i mean that's really far down in our cognitive function list and, and and i'm just i'm just reflecting yeah you know i think perhaps that that is part of a reason for that perceive the NCJ because we everything sort of our value and our and our worth and our output and our ideas are coming from us at the end of the day rather than coming from the community and we we sometimes neglect that community focus around us and we can be even when we're taking charge of the task it's it's coming from our ideas um and uh I'm going to be thinking about that over the next few days thank you yeah 
yeah, all the things, you know, Ava, Gray, and Dan, you're mentioning are also traits of the Enneagram 3. It could be in your tri-type too, if it's not your main type. But yeah, this is why ENTJs tend to test out as 8 and 3. And then you'll find the occasional ENTJ who types out as 1, 2. Those are the most common Enneagram types for this personality type. And typically why ENTJs tend to type out as three so much in the Enneagram is because their sense of value is tied to how much they do oftentimes or how much they achieve. And without that, it, it's hard to, it, you kind of feel like an imposter or like, oh, well, what do you have to appreciate me for if I don't achieve things? Yeah. The, the essential quality of three is that is value to recognize that which is valuable. And I have found in myself times where I've gotten that's turned into vanity, which is the um like the sin, although that's not like it's more complicated than that because there's nine and there's not seven, but I digress. But like the sin of vanity is like assuming that the value necessarily comes with from within instead of you being a channel for that value. Like we all value personality, but personality exists as a concept and something that's far greater than any of us as individuals. And so it's important, like it's a good thing that we are mirrors to that value and that we make it shine brighter and that we polish it and we, we show just truly how valuable it is. But also if we assume that our ability to polish and reflect it is, inherent to uh, that the original value came from us instead of from it existing. And I think this is important for um, developing and like properly having NI balancing TE and SE as well, is that knowledge that there you might be touching into truths and and knowledge that is big, way bigger than you, way bigger than what you can just do about it. And that it will personality will be here long after we're in the ground. And it's been around since long, way before we, any of us were here. And like even studying originally, like Enneagram comes from like, there's like references to Enneagram like structures all the way back in like ancient Egypt. Like it's ancient because personality itself is ancient. So sorry, I love Enneagram. Um, <laughs> but like, I'm, I'm trying to show you the value of it as loudly and as bigly as I can because, and then I use words like bigly and just ruin the whole thing. But you get the point. Like, I, I think that, that is a huge component of the ENTJ personality is like putting forward that let, let me show you, let me do all of the works that way the true value of this can be, can be brought forward. Um, and that leads to vanity slash arrogance slash complicated things as we talked about. Exacto mundo, Gray. Yeah. And there was a point that you mentioned earlier. I'm like, oh, yes, commenting on that conversation we had 20 minutes ago. Cause I, uh, forgot to <laughs> mention this earlier, but, um, there was a point you mentioned about how when people don't really know about personality type or when people don't really appreciate certain things about themselves, they tend to see how other people just don't do it as well. So like, instead of knowing that TE is a thing, it's possible if someone was like very strong with TE, but other people aren't. And they, instead of seeing the innate strength that they have inside them, they just see how other people lack that you know something is your dominant process or something that's strong within you when you see it as what should be common sense to other people so it's like right how are you not getting this <laughs> like why is it so hard about it to you building on that something i've seen from a lot of people and it breaks my heart is that they'll find out what the and i i did this so i say this like don't be me anyone who listens i'm yelling at you um what i've seen is that i so i found out that i'm okay i'm an entj Oh, so everything that I've done and my ability to communicate isn't actually because of anything I did. 
And I immediately threw myself right back onto the bus again, which of course is feeding that arrogance that I get to decide what kind of person I am. Isn't this fantastic? And it was like, not just knock it off. Don't like, that to me is throwing away your agency and your ability to make decisions over your own life by blaming your personality for your own successes. Like, if you, cause guess, cause guess what? You're not going to do that with your failures. You're going to use your failures to attack yourself again on top of using your, throwing your successes away and then attacking yourself with your failures. You're just going to end up not doing anything valuable, not just for yourself, but anyone in your life who believed in you and supported you and wants you to succeed and loves you. You're just going to set all that in fire for your own sake of knowing, oh, but there, I can feel bad about myself now, which is all I really want to do because I don't actually believe, get, knock it off. Sorry. That, bothers me because I used to do that nonsense. And so I'm telling everyone to not be me, but yeah, yeah. It's just ugh, very frustrating. I think uh, a good thing to do, and I've been kind of practicing, although it is very hard, is to not put the value on the the outcome, but the trying. Like, did I try? Okay. Then maybe I should celebrate this rather than, you know, because if you are, <laughs> I find that, there's this thing that's very toxic that we do with ourselves. That's like you achieve a goal. And then instead of celebrating it, you're like, that's fine. Like that's one step of the game. Like what's the next one? I like, found that appreciating those tiny steps is like perfect. It's like, I got up out of bed. Yay. Okay, good. I'm gonna have to do it tomorrow. But like even just that huge dopamine hit of the pat on the back. Yeah, just like no, taking it for yeah. granted. It's like nurturing, um, almost like your your child self. Like, let's do these things, and it's fun. It's we can celebrate. It's not being serious all the time. Like, you know, do you want to buy a book because you got that promotion, or do you want to organize this massive party? It's like, oh, it doesn't make sense because on a Monday I have to be at work at this time, and I got this project, so maybe I should no shut up. Like, do <laughs> do the party. That that'll make you happy, and then you do those things for yourself, and you feel really in a moment, and you just like kind of nurturing both SE and FI and uh, being a bit childlike. And I, I think that's really important for NTJs. We kind of like, my friends always tell me I was born 40. It's like, I don't want, I've I realized like, I don't want to be the the business person in the group or I don't want to be, I want to, to enjoy life and what makes me happy. And so I've, I've realized it's good to do, to use your tea, like you have it. So might as well, you know, be good at whatever you do and put a lot of work into it, help your friends. But that's not the main point. That's just your autopilot. That's what you do on the regular. The point is perhaps to build things that make, that have meaning to you and, you know, fantasize about those things and then build them. And people will appreciate that because my my boyfriend always says like, ENTJs are builders. Like you just stack up on things, but you're doing it because you want the the feeling of seeing it finished and there for people. And I always like go back to when I'm a bit confused about what I want to do in life or whether I'm at the right job or when I'm in the right country or do I want to move to Connecticut or do I want to move back home? Do I want to live in Spain and volunteer for a year? But like things that cross my mind, I just always think, what? why do you actually do the things you do? And to me, it's just, I want to make it a nice time for people and I know how to get that quicker sometimes so I can help them and therefore might as well bring that to my everyday. And I think that's just like the piece for ENTJs integrating that. Well put. 
It's pretty interesting, the, the point about arrogance that Gray brought up, and I think it's applicable to human beings in general, too. It's like whenever we're hard on ourselves or like we beat ourselves up, there's a component of us that is arrogant or that where we think that we're allowed to make that final call or that we, we are the only one who can make that final call of our worth and no one else is worthy of calling like how much you're actually worth except you and how much you want to beat yourself up. And I'm like, oh, that's a really big call out for anyone in the audience who hates themselves you are a little bit arrogant. <laughs> I mean, not in the sense that you should feel bad about it, but it is like a wake up call. It's realizing that what you're doing, you're not only doing it to yourself, but you're also doing it to the people who love you too. It gives some sort of accountability that when you hurt yourself, you're not only just hurting yourself, you're hurting anyone who's ever believed in you, as Grace said, or anyone who's ever cared about you. Anyway, sorry, I thought that was a really deep thing. So I just wanted to dig into that. But yes, Eva, that's a really good point on builders too. Builder is a good word for like how ENTJs are always building an empire somewhere, somehow, in some place. <laughs> Um, depending on their interests. I like the, what you just said about Grace point on arrogance. Um, again, like someone in my life told me a couple of weeks ago when I was feeling not confident enough for some reason uh, <laughs> for not doing something or not getting, um, I don't know, th this raise or whatever it was that I was trying to achieve. And they told me, you know, you are valuing yourself through the lens of yourself, but it doesn't mean that everyone else values you with your lens. People don't look at you and think, oh, is she competent enough? Like people look at you and, you know, they'll value you for you, you're goofy, or maybe you're very quirky when you talk about neuroscience, or maybe you know a lot of facts about mycology. Like people like you for different things. It's not because you're competent. Unless they are integers, maybe. <laughs> no, <I'm joking. laughs> but yeah, I thought that was quite good for reflection. I, yeah, I think that's, um, yeah, I re resonate with what you're saying there big time, um, realizing that others don't value the same things that you value in yourself. And going back to what Joyce was saying before about this arrogance, um, I, I'm actually of the opinion that um, the ENTJ's arrogance is something that's perhaps quite obvious to a lot of people. It's very sort of, if, if it is there, it's very forthcoming but I think there's a, a lot of the time I think the, the accusal and this, this is what I like to believe at least is a projection of other people's insecurities and maybe their own arrogance in certain areas I think the NTJ is uh, a rare personality type it's uh, a TE it is something that um, maybe when when confronted with the, the success of an ENTJ's TE that can that can be something that um well, makes other people feel bad without us realizing that it's making other people feel bad because we're sort of, you know, we, we, we think we're giving them advice, but to them, we're picking out flaws in their thinking. That doesn't feel very nice. And, and for them, that feels arrogant. And so um, it's that, it's that self-projection. Um, talking about what motivates us, what drives us, I think what Eva has described is a much more mature way of um, looking for for happiness and, and, and self-fulfillment what's around her. I think that's the point that I want to be at. I think if someone asks me what's driving me, it's to be the best best version of myself that that I can be. Like what's the maximum potential that I can reach? Um and and maybe there's an element of fear in that where it's like, what if what if I, I get to the age of ninety five, you know, very full life, fifty years more than the average, and, and I look back and I'm full of regret opportunities that I didn't take, 
you know, maybe I had this seed of potential within me to build something awesome and I, and I missed it. And, um, and that's, and, and I'm not sure that that's such a bad thing, actually. I think for it, uh, many people would look at that and, and say, well, there's other things to value in life. What about family? What about, what about the, the things around you? But I mean, the, the great people in history have often had that same idea, like Julius Caesar, let's say, you know, Napoleon, these famous ENTJs. I don't know if some other famous ENTJs out there, but, um, but I, but, um, yeah, that's, that, that's at least what motivates me at the moment. Maybe something to, to think and reflect on, yeah. No, for sure. I think personal development is like a very, hopefully, every time, but I don't know. Like, um, I find a lot of ENTJs like that sort of maximizing oneself to, to get there. But then you have to, it's a weird juggle between not thinking, oh, I'm so great because I did this but also not being too humble that you, you don't value yourself at all. So it's just kind of juggling. And I actually, I don't know why, but your, what you just said brought up this idea in me that um, I think ENTJs, because, you know, we only have a, a lifetime as far as we know, <laughs> unless I've got existential. But, <laughs> uh, but within that lifetime, sometimes I find that the whole um, and I is quite restrictive to risk taking because we want to make sure that everything's laid out. And I think valuing your FI enough and trusting that you can do something and then taking risks and being more risky as an ENTJ actually can reward us really like quite a lot. But it is scary, I think. Like we like stability, we like to build on things that are solid and that work. But what if we use the TE after? Like, what if we try to incorporate qualities from other types that just jump in and take a bit more risk and follow our hearts and whatever and use that TE as soon as we're in the moment? And I think we can live really fulfilling lives. And maybe that I find, I find FI DOMs and SE DOMs and all, just very courageous types because. It takes a lot of courage for an ENTJ to stop thinking about what works and go blind into what do I want to do, like deep down. And we can live uh, fulfilling lives like that, I think. <laughs> I think. I think to an extent, there's also something, this is what I personally have been considering lately, which is that you don't, like, we have that inner ISFP or ESFP in us and like, I found in my working experience, if I'm not in love with the story of the business that I'm working for, I'm not doing the work at the level that I should be. And then I start getting frustrated because things aren't working. And then the whole thing just starts falling apart because, and I will, I am still, I will still, if I look at like objectively, I mean, I am working just as hard, but because I'm not in love with it, it doesn't feel like I am. And I don't appreciate the results and the fruits of my labor. And so I think there's almost a sense of, like you have to, you have, this is my opinion, you have to nurture and protect your FI and be the one who is bringing it into the world or it will make itself known when you keep quitting something or you keep not doing things because eventually you just don't want to. Eventually that inner ISFP is going to make itself known at some point, usually at the worst of times, you know, like that's not great. And I think, I don't know, I kind of, I have found that that perspective has often helped me of I'm doing this so that way I actually can be it's, ironically, I'm just turning the TE on itself. It's like, I have to take care of my emotions and take care of my values and do what I want so I can be more effective and efficient. 
I don't care that it's still feeding into my TE because in, at the end, I'm still putting in more, more reps and more work into that FI. And then just overall, it's a, it's a, it's a more cohesive painting. It's a, instead of this violent swing of like, I'm all TE or all FI. Like that just seems, that's just not how humans work. We're not all one or nothing. So I think. Yeah. I mean, the whole, the whole integration of your shadow is a bit like, you know, in Jungian psychology, is very much about making that beast known, like that thing that's going to come out at any time. Just like let it in slowly, right? Because otherwise, it. it turns into like I want, I want Taco Bell at this time. I want soda. Like really destructive. Like like simple. Like taking like just oh simple SF pleasures. It's like those simple SF pleasures can make you sick. It's funny because the ESFPs and ISFPs they often figure out faster. Hey oh, this is actually doesn't make me feel good and I want to feel good, so I'm going to take care of my body. And you know what I don't do? I don't get enough sleep and I don't take care of my body as well as they do. It's hilarious. They figure it out. They actually do the work better because they're focused on the right things, the things that are meaningful to them instead of just doing just doing impulsive things because the moment struck you and you, like I always think about like the marshmallow experiment is that I use my willpower up on getting things done and now I have to eat the marshmallow because I ran out of willpower to hold myself back from taking what I want in the moment. And then I do self-destructive behaviors and I ruined everything I just worked for. Or I just acknowledge that I want the marshmallow and bring a granola bar with me. So that way I don't end up stealing the marshmallow. That's a silly analogy, but mm. I think you get the point. No, definitely. I think if, uh, putting one hour of your week to actually think or more, hopefully, right? But <laughs> let's say one hour to be, um, good with it to just analyze where you are like for me i get a lot of reflection done with when i'm running and so when i'm running i'm like hmm do i feel good while running great like have i been <laughs> sleeping enough like just analyzing those things it's just a checkup but it makes your whole life so much more efficient because you did it and then you're not gonna burn out it's keeping the long game in mind because if you take care of yourself in the long run then you'll be able to do this way more sustainably so this is a little bit of NI work too, because it's going into the long-term pattern sustainability of your behavior. We should title this video, Joyce Helps Three uh, ENTJs Work on Their Immature FI Function for Over an Hour. <laughs> it's like, thank you for the therapy session, Joyce, that we're all getting today. It's so funny. It's like ENTJs, they bring, you bring them together. It's like, oh, I bet people are watching this video thinking like, okay, what, what ENTJ tips am I going to get from how to build my life. Like, man, it's talking about their mature FI for an hour. It's like, come on. <laughs> it's like, uh, <laughs> so I think, I think it's so funny though, but I do notice this when I've talked to some um, ENTJs on my channel. That's what we gravitate to towards for some reason. Um, and I, I do have to say um, my FI, uh, my parents are here in Sweden. Um, I probably do need to get going sometime soon and and value, as you said, the structures that we build around us. And that's the family structure. But um, I do have a little bit more time. Um, Joyce, did you have something particularly that you wanted us to discuss before? I, at least I need to leave. Maybe you can continue the conversation when I leave. Absolutely. Yeah. So before I ended off the panel, I just wanted to get you guys to talk about your functions really quickly. It's quite fitting that you brought up the parents example right now. It's like, speaking of FI, I should really spend time with my parents instead of being on this call right now. <laughs> and so I was wondering if we could quickly go through each of the functions, but we'll start with Dan first. 
Sure. Okay. Um, well, T is this drive to, um, or this just knowledge of you know, how to do things, just projecting you forward into the future, taking the next step. Um, NI is um, this sort of information network that uh, that comes up to instruct me how to do that T, let's say. And it can be very reflective as well um, from an FI perspective, but when it's used with TE, it's sort of like, um, it's like in the moment, how do I take that next step? SE, I guess, allows me to see the world around me and enables me to be, I use it in a social setting a lot, um, helps me get along well with others. Um, it's more childlike, uh, I guess. And then that FI is, as I've said, it's that can be that alarm bell if I've done something wrong with, with the way I'm interacting with people, the steps that I'm taking within the world, you know, they're not quite lining up in the way that well, my TE doesn't have a problem with it and the FI comes in and, um, and, and can help sort of redirect. All right. Yeah, that was perfect. Thank you, Dan, for coming out and spending time with the other ENTG YouTubers and myself. Um, oh, yeah. Well, I guess, I guess, yeah, if, I guess we can continue the video. People can watch and I'll, I'll see what you guys have to say about the uh, cognitive functions when this is finally published. But if I'm going to go now, which I think I should, um, thank you, Joyce, for putting this on and um, and putting, using your time, giving up your time to, uh, to help us have this discussion today and perhaps mm -hmm. some more times in the future. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, Good to meet you. Good to yeah, great to meet you guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Girls night out right now. Yeah. <laughs> Very simple. <laughs> I know. I just suddenly react like, oh God, my face is huge. Yeah. And I guess to end things off, we can also go through both of yours experiences with the functions too. I kind of view TE as um I kind of think of it almost in a, it's almost reactionary. It feels like breathing. Someone, I remember someone asked me what TE was doing. It's like, I'm really just trying to weigh like, and not like determine like what matters, but like just weigh like what can be done right now that is going to kind of like, like just like in, almost like, okay, what could I do right now? Oh, I could do this little thing and like, just kind of like splicing it off. And it's not, it's on the process of find making the list itself but it is the the action aspects and like i'm kind of always in motion and anyone who has ever like seen me is like i'm always in motion i'm always doing something and i think that like the micro doings is the te is like i'm always kind of thinking about that and then also i'm calibrating what i'm doing based off of not just what i'm doing but also what i see is going on on a larger scale so i think that the tracking what is what is working across time and space and people is also a big part of it. Cause I'm not just pulling from what I know how to do, but for what someone, if I know that someone who's around my age and is similar to me is doing something, I know I can probably do it because I'm like, I'm like comparing a lot of what I'm capable of doing. Um, which I think is where some of my, I talked a little bit about insecurity, but like I, when I struggled more with insecurity it was from that stupid comparison game. I had have a bad habit there. Um, and I, I would, so I kind of describe like, going into NI of like falling backwards into an endless ocean and then kind of swimming up with something esoteric and kind of, and not, it's still personal. Like the way that I'm experiencing, like I, my husband's an ENTP and like he, he knows what I'm talking about, but the way he experiences that is much more of that comparison and connection with everything thing that I experienced at TE, but I experienced that the, the solo singularity of 
how does this work in my life and with things I've seen? It's not expanded to connecting to everything like infinitely. It's much more focused on now. Um, well, it's N-I-N-S-E. SE of being now, what am I seeing right now? And how is it connected to what I've always seen across time and what will always be true across time is the NI. And I think the SE is like just kind of per constant snapshots of right now, but then that sensitivity, because I think it, it works a lot with the TE to create that sensitivity to the moment of reactivity in a sense of I'm, I'm constantly reacting to my outer world X and I'm, I'm a fairly some ENTJs are more socially introverted than others. I'm fairly socially extroverted, which I think increases that um, tendency to lean into the SE a little bit to be reactive to the world, to people, to my environment. Um, I also think my SE makes me pretty. So, <laughs> and then um, FI, like, I think FI is um, like my, I experienced FI in like yesterday, my husband and I were just sitting on the couch reading um, and I, you know, I'm, I've got a blanket on me and I've got my legs on him and we're just sitting being and enjoying the moment. And I wasn't thinking any, I, I could like, I don't, I didn't realize how much time had passed because I wasn't thinking, I wasn't doing anything. I was just there. And that experience of there without time, I think is a big part of FI for me. It's not the, um, it, it's not an action. It's just presence and being. So that, there you go. That's, that's long winded. Damn it. That was really succinct, Gray. <laughs> you didn't give yourself enough credit. Great. Okay. So I love that description of F5. Sorry, cozy. Yeah. <laughs> so the way I experience the, I would just say it's trying to maximize what I can do within a certain time period and trying to see if structures work. Like, dude, <laughs> is there something that's not really allowing for the major outcome to, to happen? And really being quite reactive to to fix that right away so that things can actually streamline and also the ability to perhaps cut off an essential part of the puzzle if it makes the process more efficient so that's perhaps how i'd uh, explain t and i to, and I, to me is one of my favorite functions although love hate so that, sort of this existential building upon concepts and trying to link everything to the single streamlined like, oh, this fits here. Like, I'm just going to build up on this mountain. And uh, just being very, it, it's quite good for having a long-term vision because with your TE, it just makes you like, okay, I've seen all of this and like, this is how it works. And now I'm just going to act on it. But on another level, it's also very existential. Like every time you come across a new concept that kind of fits into your idea of the world and like why we're all here and everything. It's just that and I of like, oh, I'm correct. So let's just build up on that some some more and trying to come to terms with that. SE to me is just like this fun function. Um, I love like clubbing sometimes on specific music and just really like dancing it out, feeling feeling myself, not thinking much about like, oh, one thing I can it's very uh, very me is just not having the same meal ever like just never going to the same place like even if I like it I just if I, if there are like three places that are really really good I'll go to them like every couple of months but just the idea of experiencing something I've never tried um, is is something of a driving force in terms of my sensory experience um, and then FI is just this compass i would say of am i leading my life correctly is my tea like 
making justice to what my values are, what are my values and what makes me feel really good. And I don't quite understand why, but maybe that's just it. Uh, maybe I just need to sit in that and not try to, to justify it. So, yeah. <laughs> that was a wonderful illustration of the functions you both. So thank you. Thank you. The very last last thing that I want to ask you guys is what hobbies do you have? So what do you put your FI into? So I can go first. I really like illustrating, so drawing, making music. They're quite expressive things and they're things that I do when I'm alone. So it's very much like, okay, I'm going into my world and trying to make sense of it emotionally. And then there is an output accidentally because T then sees, oh, you've made like eight tracks, so maybe let's do an album. <laughs> but the, the FI process is very much just uh, nurturing that. I also like nature a lot, so I spend a lot of time in parks and forests and hunting mushrooms and um, choosing plants for my house, just those kind of things. I really love nature. And yeah, I, I just like creating and studying the world, so studying neuroscience on my free time, <laughs> sometimes just reading up on what new studies have shown about us and why things are. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. So something I found is like every, regardless of like the actual like production, there's always like music and FI, like, like music, I think music and the feeling function are functions are tied together anyways. But um, I am a, a very, very amateur singer, I think is how I describe myself. Um, and but I do it like just like that helps so much of like, just like I'm alone in my apartment. Okay. It's now time for a power ballad, you know, um, or I actually, this is an exercise I pulled from when I was, um, doing something else, but just like building collages, like based on like a certain, um, like emotional story I want to tell and like making like, that's actually been really good for me. Cause like, a, I, I don't have the resources or space to paint right now, but I want to get into like the pour painting kind of thing where you pour all the paints on, then you're like swirling them around or like swiping them, doing all fun things. Like I want to get, I have a couple of them that I've made. Um, I don't, Oh, I have one right here. There we go. So like something stuff like this, which is like, just basically, this was like a trial. It was my first one. It's not very, I, I would have done it's it differently, ugly. but I love the colors. I will say I love the colors. I don't think I would have used it quite that much teal. I feel like it's a little much on the teal, but the blue and gold and purple, I did a different one that's on my wall. I'm not going to turn my camera around, um, but like, yeah, I just, I, I, it's interesting. It's like, oh yeah, art, like visual art. I do in the collages, I sing. Um, and then a big one is spending time like with like the people I care about and just enjoying them. Like I have friends coming over later to um, just play some board games and we're going to like, they walk my dog and then go get dinner. It's just like enjoying, taking time to enjoy things like, and like going for a walk with my dog. It's like, we live in a kind of like little city. And so we're not in like nature, but like, there's still like, there's still trees there and there's still people and it's fresh air and it's something. And I think that that's big. And we actually, we did a big road trip. We did a 10 day road trip where we were just camping everywhere we went like we weren't in hotels we were camping in the freaking woods and not not what might do it differently next time but um I still loved being out there and like we went just like being I think being out and I think active with my body like I do think that starting with activity my body like dancing or like kayaking or horseback riding something like that 
does help me get into just experiencing the moment and then being in the emotional aspect in the moment, not just the, how do I do it? Cause there's the doing in the moment, which I think I shows up a lot in my work versus the, the experiencing in the moment, which I think is more of the SEFI zone. So yeah, I think that's like where it shows up is so instead of mushrooms, I, a lot of animal things, but still, still nature. I love that. I love that you're into mushrooms. I love that. I'm going to message you and ask you about mushrooms. Yes, there are so many growth kits. It's so easy and they grow in seven days and then you can make a cool pasta with them. It's cool. I, I saw a video I, that was interesting to me that like there, there was, they had these mushrooms grow in like the design of like a sit, like a city basically. And they just set it up where they had the oh, mycelium. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mycelium is amazing. And mycelium is so much more sustainable to then like, plastic and there are things like there are there are packaging companies right. now I, just, I think it's crazy that these fungi which have no freaking brains and they're like that they're able to grow like more efficiently than we build our cities it's, yeah what? it's well well we are part of nature and we often forget that like right. we yes. we are animals and like plants and trees and structures are just if you look at it, you're like, okay, that is really clever. Right. And if you just think about what we built as humans, then you, you, we just take inspiration from nature and we build cities, but there are cities like everywhere in the grass and like in ants and there's I, communities everywhere. Like mushrooms, mushrooms are like feeding into trees. Sorry, I'm going to go. I was just going to say, it's so self-evident that's true because if you look at like what we, we make art or we make a building, what are the most attractive buildings? They follow the Fibonacci sequence or the golden ratio or, yeah. or, or mathematical laws of beauty that then you see in nature with the way that yeah. trees extend their leaves out. It's like, it's so self-evident. And we, yeah, it's, we, it's, have, so we have to do that to prove that. The it's very obvious. Yeah. <laughs> like all of, all of nature... It is. It would be ridiculous for us to think that we don't take inspiration from it. Like all of art is related to, mm-hmm. and if you just go back to the basics, like chemistry is, like there are atoms in everything in here, and there are atoms in everything around me, and everything is like chemistry. Yeah. <laughs> My husband's a material science. He's going for his PhD in material science and engineering, and we've had so many conversations about how. Like the like, you'd think that the more that you study about the earth, like the in the world itself, the less you'd be enchanted with it. But the exact opposite is true because yeah. it's everywhere. It is ev- like everywhere, and it's beautiful that like it, these things like um, we're just ni fi losing our no minds. definitely like, like yeah. it's, it's yeah, fabulous. It. <laughs> existence in general is just yeah, yeah. It's, everything's made up really nicely and. We just are trying to figure it out. <laughs> like, we artists, artists, I think, try to make sense of it and like put something out to the world that entices minds to think about it. And then scientists are actually like looking at data. But it's funny because we are analyzing data and like everything in nature and physics, like it's external to us. But it's like all of our systems right. and all of our breathing is dictated by those laws as well. So. Yeah, I, I, in many ways, based on what I know of how, like, even working with manufacturing tools, where it's like, you don't know why something isn't working, and you're just going to try everything you can to figure it out, and you still may never fully understand, there's still an art to it, even within engineering. Oh, yeah. And so, like, I really don't think that science and art are actually that separate. I really no. think like they're two sides of the same coin. Um, exactly. We're just talking about NT and yeah. SF right now. <laughs> 
Yeah, they're two sides of the same coin. Art inspires science, like you both were saying so well. Yeah. And it's really nice to see the artistic side of both of you too. It's like, mm -hmm. if you want to grow your FI, you could take the artistic avenue too. And oh, Emma, yeah. yeah, it helps you understand yourself. Like, I do a lot of weird, like, sometimes I just go into my child self and I'm feeling something and I was just like, okay, I'm going to draw something and write a very silly phrase on it. And then I look back on it after a couple of months and I think, oh, that's interesting. That was when I was going through this or that. And it's just a way of making, basically, instead of letting their fight child, like, not child, but beast, like, burst out when in the wrong moments, you're just kind of giving it its space. Like, do you think? And... <laughs> So you don't get a tantrum later, if I chat. Yeah, just just do your thing. Just spend like a couple minutes singing and like. It's it's so funny. I've been doing this like I've been doing this exercise because I used to post when I was like a teen, like 13, 12. I was posting on Facebook like crazy. Like every day I was posting statuses or multiple times a day. So I can go back through and read what my inner what my child was saying. What what is she saying? And like like today. 10 years ago, I wrote, I won't be your Yoko Ono. Ooh, how profound. It's a song that I love. Guess what I was singing to prepare to like reduce any nerves before this panel? That song by Dar Williams. Oh, like it's something as, right. It's just like, like it's bringing me back to being an absolute little goofball when I yeah. hated school and didn't want to do anything because my FI wasn't in it. <laughs> yeah. And as we were speaking about neuroscience earlier, as Ava was talking about, Dario Nardi actually has all four subtypes of a Ooh. personality type. So with the ENTJ, there's the dominant, creative, harmonizing, and normalizing. And yeah, I'm like, I, I wondered, are, are you guys like more on the creative side of ENTJ? Yeah. And like, yeah. Yeah. probably. Yeah. <laughs> and then, I would guess yeah. that. Yeah, and then Dan's more of the dominant subtype of the ENTJ. Mm -hmm. He's like, hecka, dominant. Because, like, some of the stuff he says is, like, really assertive and confident, and it's, like, yeah. very ball-busting a little bit, and you guys are not as ball-busting as Dan is. <laughs> I mean, I, I, may have, I did yell at everybody, to be fair. I think I was the only one who yelled at everybody. <laughs> No, I like I liked it. Okay, <laughs> I, I, I liked it too. I'm not saying it wasn't enjoyable. I'm just saying it was yelling. Yeah, I think it depends. Like I, I try to separate. My, I try to put my tea like compartmentalize how much I use of it because like it's in everything I do. But the actual like domineering tea, I just try to like that's for work. Do you think? And then when I'm with friends, oh my god! Sometimes I just. Literally, when I'm with friends and I haven't seen them in ages, my first instinct is like, so what have you been up to? And they say, oh, I've been trying to do this project. And I'm just like, oh, so I've, what have you like done to... And instead of going there and trying to like, so do you need help like setting up your plan to like... <laughs> instead of doing that, I'm just like, oh, that's really cool. And right, uh, turning off like the like, chips. can <laughs> I help you? Can I help you? Turning off yeah. that, yeah. <laughs> trying to yeah. turn off the tea and being more like, I appreciate your existence. Let's do something weird. <laughs> <laughs> sweet it's nice to know y'all successfully in tjs <laughs> like ava said y'all are builders it's building something grand or great or amazing and memorable for other people or for the tribe or for the group or for existence and so it's nice how you're able to take one thing and notice how it fits into a certain goal you have you're like oh that would actually be pretty useful for this goal so if you 
you kind of add these. And so you're able to plan in a great way that achieves really great ends. And so I'm very kind. <laughs> <laughs> and so audience members, feel free to check out Augmented Personality and Eva and Anjos. I'm sorry if I mispronounced it. No, it's okay. It's, I don't even know how to pronounce it other than Portuguese. Just this thing, you know, the, my name. I, I actually don't know how to pronounce my name either. Like my last name, people always ask, like, how do you pronounce Mang Mang? And I'm like, I don't know. You could say Because I, I barely say it in Portuguese and saying it in all the languages feels weird. So it's just like, it's Eva. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being merciful with me. <laughs> yeah. it, it was nice to learn about the intersection between art and science and the yes. foundation there to going down. I <laughs> <laughs> connect. <laughs> yes, yes. This is really great. A look into the FI of the ENTJ too. So it's nice, mm -hmm. yeah, about vulnerable and, and personal. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> We're heading somewhere. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Thank you, Doris. Hopefully. Thanks. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> I just tried to break you to the point where you would share. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> so, when are, so when are you getting hired to be a torture-like torture, torture -like person for the CIA? You know, you're going to get oh, information out of people. Be like, so I've brought you on this panel of criminals, and I would like you to tell me a little bit, what is your experience of um, breaking into banks in... You know, it's I, I really think it's amazing how you've broke you're an international criminal and I really think that we can take inspiration from that. <laughs> yeah. that that's that's your that's your future. There you go. You've been you've been told, get on it, Joyce. Those <laughs> <laughs> are scary, I always thought. So <laughs> that's my next career choice if this doesn't work out. <laughs> yeah. Um and so I appreciate you both very bigly as great players. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and this is really fun I, I love the se playfulness that you both brought as well and yeah thank you for inviting us <laughs> and so thanks everyone for watching i'll see you all in the next episode take care mm -hmm.